everyone must stand up for what's right. Or we're just going to let our country go down and we're going to end up Canada at first, and then we're going to end up like China. That is the way these things happen. God has given us a country and we are stewards of that and we are here to make it more righteous. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber and I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Well, we are here with another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast. Isn't that right, Jesse? Oh, it's right. We're here. I'm here. You're here. John's here. So many regrets, but nonetheless, here we are. (laughs) No regrets. So tonight we are interviewing the uh, infamous John Cooper. That's right. We are that popular that John Cooper has come on with us tonight, this evening, on the Carpe Fide podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, the one, the one and only. Uh, there he There's is. There's only There's one. John <laughs> there are two. <laughs> no, not that John Cooper, you guys. Uh, this is John Cooper. We're going to let him introduce himself, uh, but we've gotten to know him um, through his uh, active voice on the socials, and we're glad to have bumped into him and gotten to know him more. So, John, uh, since you do not sing for Skillet, maybe you could uh, let everyone uh, in on um you know who you are where you've been what you do what your goal is here that'd be awesome yeah so i may not sing for skillet but i have cooked an egg on one before so (laughs) i think it pretty much you guys pretty much nailed getting me here so absolutely (laughs) absolutely so uh i'm a i'm john cooper i i wouldn't say i'm active on i mean i guess i am now i to to uh, be honest with you guys about a year ago i didn't have social media so um, I had it a while ago and then I got rid of it. And then uh, after I got married and then I kind of came back on as a, as a favor to my unit because of all the history knowledge that I had uh, to put out on social media. And then uh, I couldn't just let it live in the army realm. So, so I, uh, cause they, you're very uh, guarded in what you could say. So I went out and started uh, the ones that I have now. So um yeah Godfather. So, you got out but they sucked you back in sucked me right back in yeah uh. <laughs> um yeah so about me um uh, i'm john cooper again i'm from niagara falls new york a huge buffalo bills fan so uh i'm well, sure everybody's from, got, everybody makes mistakes it's okay. everyone makes mistakes yeah for 20 years you know we made a lot of mistakes <laughs> uh but um yeah six-year army veteran uh, i was in the infantry branch um, I served in both the 25th Infantry Division and the 10th Mountain Division. Um, and I was a sniper in both those units. The 25th, I was part of Recondo, which is a long range reconnaissance um, unit. So what that pretty much is, is if you've ever seen the movies of the guys in the patrols in the jungles, just pooping in bags, living off the land. That's that's what we did. Bring out bring out all the water you need for two weeks and survive, survive. Like, <laughs> so, uh, that was a good time. And then I came to the 10th mountain division, specifically second battalion, 22nd infantry regiment. Um, and I became a, a sniper there as well. And, uh, yeah, I have one deployment to Afghanistan, one combat deployment. Um, I currently am in seminary. I'm enrolled in Alliance theological seminary uh, near you guys in New York city. Um, with Christian Missionary Alliance, I'm a minister of military outreach at and and outreach, so military ministry and outreach at uh, Parkside Bible Church in Watertown, New York. This is right outside of Fort Drum. So, 
a little plug. If anyone's looking for a church at Station in Fort Drum, listen to this. That's the church you go to. So you'll meet me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if, if you don't, he can definitely find you from long distance. So that's what we're going to stand right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where were you? I know what you were doing. You weren't in church this week. I saw you. Oh, no. yeah, I, was, I, was, I was outside in the bushes. <laughs> <laughs> Pooping in bags. <laughs> in a bag, long ways away. <laughs> so <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> My goodness. So why are you in seminary, John? What is the call there? Yeah, so uh, so I my plan is to go back to the Army as a chaplain. Those of you who don't know, every battalion in the army has a chaplain. So that's one guy for 450 soldiers, and he has to um, help them with all their spiritual needs. And I say spiritual needs because it's you get every every religion um, you know known to man is in the army. I mean, most people probably would say they're Jedi if there was a special meal, they'd sign up to be Jedi. So, nice. so. Yeah, I just I saw that I see a need like while I was in. It's always been my goal since I was a little kid. I wanted to be a preacher, and then nine eleven happened, and I wanted to go into the army and uh, enact some righteous just justice and judgment upon uh, those people there. So that's what we did. And um, but yeah, now it's now it's time for seminary time to to give back to to those who uh, and serve you know an official capacity, I guess you could say. Uh, to those soldiers I was able to serve alongside with uh, doing the, doing the Lord's work, as they say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, when you told us, uh, you know, you're kind of like grandmaster plan, you know, get, getting into the chaplain service, like going that route, doing the still connected with your local church, still doing, you know, ministry on the side. You know, I thought that was an absolute amazing, amazing mission. Like, you know, because like I, I've thought, you know, as a civilian, I I admire the sacrifice of, of those in armed services. And I'm like, well, what if I be, you know, like, what if I did some type of service or chapel or something like that? But that someone who, you know, was in is is doing that. Like, I, I think that's obviously far better than any perspective I could have. Like, I'm like, I'm I would be like trying to put a, a square peg through a, a, a round hole. But, you know, matching that up with uh, your experience and your service and then your ministry, it just looks like God has a very clear idea as to what he wants you to do. <laughs> and, and it's all him, right. And I praise him. And, yeah. uh, and it's funny you say that because most chaplains are literally youth pastors who ran out of money. So they, <laughs> so they, uh, they came into the chaplaincy and, um, and I mean, obviously some people as, as an over, just a joke, but but uh, at the same time, there's some. No, no, no. That's, yeah, that's, that's a real thing. Not a joke. Yeah. That's so it's um, a solid thing that happens. Yeah. But so a chaplain has to have he has to have bachelor's degree, which is what all officers has, have to have. He has to have a MDiv from a accredited seminary and two years of uh, 40 hour week pastoral experience and ordained. So it isn't it isn't a uh, an easy slide slide on in now during the surge in iraq you know your two years of pastoral experience we're like did you ever do a wana because <laughs> we, we could use you um, are you a cubby at any point in your past <laughs> <laughs> yes can, can you just recite one verse for me to prove it and uh <laughs> so yeah it's a it's a ministry but it is it is financial security as well uh, to talk about that part i mean it's you're gonna get paid by the army so um and as you guys know in ministry money is not uh <laughs> not always there. And so, um, 
but the Lord calls up those who he wants to serve there. And a lot of chaplains are pastors who go straight in and they have no military experience. They have no, uh, no real idea. They just got with the movie show, which, which is nothing. I mean, yeah, you learn that the movies, they didn't all lie to you, but they didn't tell you the truth of what you're going to be doing. So, uh, (laughs) They didn't give you what we would might call a full picture of what to expect. Yeah, neither does your recruiters. <laughs> so it's, you're going in totally blind. Um, but they're, they're there to get you to sign up, not to yeah, get you to leave screaming. That's the goal. Yeah, they're like, you ever seen Saving Private Ryan? That'll be you. And you're like, oh, you know, sign me up. You know, you so the opening uh, five minutes of Black Hawk Down. That's pretty much all the time. It doesn't really yeah. tell people on joining up. So. <laughs> oh. So, but it's a good, a good ministry. Most like you said, like I wouldn't fit in, but then most, that's what it is. Everyone's that way. You just boom, come in, you get there day one. They're like, yeah, here's the 450 problems you've just inherited. So it's, uh, it's not, <laughs> thank for the you. Weak. Yeah. It's not for the weak of faint at heart Christian, but it really, anyone can do it. So, well, amen to that. I'm glad. Uh, I, I love, I love the direction that you have. I love how clear you've uh, you've expressed it here. You expressed it to us. It's definitely something that um, that I see uh, that I see as as a clear need because, as you've communicated to us in, in different chats, the need to have Christians to be able to be in the military and connect their their faith with a, a biblical framework in their military um, service, as opposed to you letting their Christian faith be connected to a worldly framework, which doesn't in the Christian framework, it needs to be connected to the biblical Christ centered worldview, not to the world's ideas and paradigms, which is, it's just amazing that that's, that's absolutely a, a, a definite need for anyone that's going to be uh, a Christian uh, and involved uh, in, the, in armed forces. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this, uh, whether it's, it's now or, you know, 10 years down the road, if you're just trying to catch up on all these podcasts, like I am, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you'll, you, and you want to join the military, read your theology. That is all I have to say, uh, because day one, you're going to be thrown into a room with, you know, 200, 300 random people from everywhere. And once they find out you're a Christian and they will, because you have, for basic training, you have it's like 18 weeks. You have nothing but time. So, and nothing but conversations and it's going to come up here, Christian, and they're going to ask you the most bizarre questions in the world. And they're going to expect you to have an answer. And uh, you don't have a Bible with you because you're doing, you know, push-ups and jumping jacks during all this. So um, I would say, encourage anyone who wants to go in the military, listen to this, Memorize scripture, read your Bible, know your theology, because it is, I have been asked some bizarre questions that, and they don't, you have, and it's like anyone, you have to have an answer, but you don't have your cell, you don't have your cell phone at basic training. So you can't just whip out your phone and be like, oh, I think I, let me Google, or I remember, you know, John MacArthur said something in his sermon. (laughs) There's none of that. You know, it's like, it's, it's all, it's all, uh, it's the Holy Spirit, but it's all you at that point, what you've put in your mind already. So anyone looking to go in the military, when you're JRTC, which is a month long training event in the army, every unit goes to it. uh, You will sit in a foxhole for 30 days and you will talk about, (laughs) you will like, talk about what your favorite soap is. I mean, that's how these, that's how far these conversations go. So um, know your theology. That's all I got. That's all I got to say about, about that. So mm. I learned that one quick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great reminder for, well, you know, pretty much everyone. Mm. Yeah. Like I was just, I was just trying to think of like, you know, like when you're, you know, trying to, 
trying to do your business and then your, your kid walks in and they're like daddy why why did god make the earth round and you're like uh it's not really something i'd pondered before son you know <laughs> but yeah no let's ponder that's, it now <laughs> that's I, I, I will now think about it and uh you know get back to you in five minutes <laughs> yeah just loves round things i don't know <laughs> it's so or, funny i was i was when you first started and you, you had said how each um i believe you said each battalion received a chaplain if i wasn't mistaken is that correct Yes. I mean, they go up. So like there's, let's say just for short examples, I can't think off the top of my head, there's five battalions and a brigade. So there's a brigade chaplain who would oversee those five chaplains in the battalion. Then there's a division chaplain who oversees him. So there is a rank structure, but each battalion only receives one chaplain. And he has a chaplain's assistant who will most likely not even be a Christian. He's just there because that was the job he could sign up for. So um, and his job is secretary during the uh, during garrison peacetime. And then when you go to war, he is also your secretary, but he's your bodyguard as well, wherever you go out. So got it. I was and they suck. I... They suck at combat. I'm just going to throw that out there. Sorry yeah. to anyone who's a chaplain assistant, but yeah. Well, I mean, like if the chaplain <laughs> goes down, you know where they're going, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't need the best. Then. <laughs> you put the, you put the, you put... Put the good guys where you need them. The chaplain, you know, hey, oh man, he's covered on the other That's side. Right. We're not going to worry about him that much. Yeah, and not all chaplains assistants suck, but I mean, I have seen chaplain assistants. Have you guys ever fired a gun before? You're from New Jersey, so I have to ask. Yes, I, I have fired okay. guns. Before. I have. We have both fired guns before. Awesome, awesome. As as every American should. So anyway. so when you load a magazine in, right, and aware what the gun is. Yes. The pointy things face what way? things should always face away <laughs> out yes yeah so you would think if you looked at it you wouldn't be like let me try to ram it in up backwards upside down. i mean it's just it's insane what you see oh no <laughs> yeah so we had to tr- we had to do training with them one time and i i almost was like lord i don't know if i can do this <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be a chaplain and get shot by my own assistant yeah exactly <laughs> So uh, I, I just go right to history. And I think uh, the fact that I believe George Washington required a chaplain for each regiment, which okay. is obviously back then would have been a little smaller than what you're talking. And and then he actually fought for better pay from them for the Congress. He thought it was such an important uh, need for the military. He fought for better pay. The, con- the Congress ultimately came back with better pay, but that they would be in charge of more than one regiment. Oof. And that happened for a little while until... Washington realized that regiments would get separated and one wouldn't have a chaplain. And he said, nope, nope, we're going back. Each chap- each regiment gets a chaplain. You need to cut down the pay a little bit there, but it still needs to be good for good pay for what they're doing. It was just, it's just interesting that that, that, that concept goes back to our, our very first general of our Continental Army issuing the dictate that every regiment must have a chaplain. So, yeah, because they, they, they understood the importance of it. Yeah. Um, and as we'll get in, as we will eventually get into with, you know, the job of, of our, our military and our police force, uh, border patrol, all those guys who are ministers of the sword is what I call them, ministers of the sword. They wield a sword for righteousness. Well, if they don't know what righteousness is. What are they, what are they going to wield the sword for? What, what do we just, it's like, I, I, this is one of my pet peeves, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry to let it out here, but you let it out. John. Yeah. It's a safe, it's <laughs> a safe place. Yeah. This is a safe place. So Jesus loves you. Right. Yes. But what but then this I you know. never define what love is. So so then we're just going to grab whatever our culture says the love is. And then that's how Ooh. Jesus loves you. Oh, like don't people, grab that. 
Exactly. Oh, and so it's like, and you hear this mask. and they're like, well, you know, now we don't live under the law anymore, but they're like, you don't need the law anymore. And I've heard that some for some pa- famous pastors, like we don't need the law anymore. You don't even worry about it. And it's like, he fulfilled the law. It says to be like Christ. He fulfilled the law. Like what, what are we talking about here? That's what love is, is how do I know how to love God, love others? Cause I look to what God has revealed about it. I don't look to, you know, what the culture says, like heaven forbid, I learn how to love my neighbor through what the culture says. I'm going to end up screwing him over. And so it's, or, or screwing him. Yeah. And so it's the same <laughs> thing. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this. It's like, we don't know what righteousness is. We don't know what good is anymore. So when we take the chaplains out, well, then what's going to happen? They're yeah. just going to, they're just going to be worse than they already are. I'm going to yeah. be worse than I already am. I needed one. <laughs> mm. So episode 25, by the way, Christian kindness, everybody, Christian kindness. Um, yeah. You, you can't have uh, love without truth. There's no yeah. possible way to have, yeah. cannot know God's, you cannot, you cannot live righteousness without knowing God's righteousness because God is the actual objective source of all righteousness. We are. 1000% on board with that very accurate biblical take. <laughs> yeah. I wish the world was as well. Yeah. It's all the same. Um, <laughs> so well, when we, it comes to, I, I'm we, trying to figure out how to like actually carry us into our topic. That's <laughs> okay. We'll We're famous for hard in. stops. Yeah. Uh, with that in mind though, I mean, the need for truth uh, uh, speaking into love and, and how that might fit into this whole idea of the fact that you are a, uh, a man who is going to be ardently uh, Christian, desiring to have a biblically influenced, God-governed uh, life, are in the military. Nay, you find yourself a sniper in the military, involved in uh, the conflict of war. How does one balance that? How do you how do you balance being in war as a Christian? And ultimately, I'm I'm giving you that open door to talk a little bit here about what does just war theory look like yeah. in the Christian realm? Yeah. So I think you need to understand, uh, again, this is big advertisement for Christians going in the army. Um, I think you need to understand uh, what just war theory is. And I think you need to understand how soldiers in the Bible acted in combat. Um, I think that the first time I ever had to I had a lot of conversations, like I said, you have some crazy conversations, but when I had my sniper eval to go to, or my mental eval to go to sniper school, they asked me, they're like, have you ever thought about killing somebody? And I said, yes. And the, usually you just say no and you move on like that. They're just doing it to make sure you're not crazy. But I said, yes, I'm not going to lie. And um, the lady said to me, she's like, well, you've actually thought about killing people. And I said, look, I'm, I'm signing up to be a sniper in the United States army. If I haven't thought about what that entails, I'm not doing, I'm not doing a proper thing. Um, You know, we're supposed to understand what we're getting ourselves into. And so I had forced myself even before going in to, um, to think about these things and to read about these things. And I was very fortunate to have gone to a Bible college. It's now Clark summit university out in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And um and have to think about these things, have professors who challenged me because they knew what I was going to go into. But uh, just war theory, I mean, uh, simply put, is God waged war. So God can't command war or do war himself if it is sinful itself. So and that's a very simple answer. Um, but I think that that encompasses all of it. There is war because there's evil. And this is the way we crush uh, evil is by by waging war. It's just 
it's what it kind of what it has to be. Um, and God understands that. And I, I always point to you, people who say, well, okay, that was the old Testament. You know, what about the new Testament? What about the new covenant? Uh, or if you're a dispensationalist, what, what about this dispensation? And um, I look at, you look at Acts 13, 22 uh, and Acts 13, 22, it's describing David. Uh, and it says when he had, <clears throat> and when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do my will. Now, yes, that's Old Testament, but it's described in Acts in the New Testament. So the most godly man in the Old Testament, David, was an absolute warrior to a point. And this is another point that you can argue if you're on the other side is like, well, he wasn't allowed to build the temple because he shed so much blood. Um, and that's that's a different debate. But then we go into the New Testament. We look at uh, we look in Luke with Roman centurion. And then Christ says, I've not found a man in Israel with more faith than this man. So in the Old Testament, the man with the most faith and in the New Testament, the man with the most faith. Both of them were warriors and leaders of warriors, not just warriors themselves who were conscripted and had to fight and kind of just, you know, I'm just going to slide by slide under. But these were these were men who proved themselves in combat. Um, obviously, we don't know anything about the Roman centurion, but, well, he but was we can Roman assume also a centurion. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we can one can put two and two together <laughs> to figure this one out. And so I would challenge that if the most faithful men in both testaments were warriors and we can look at Christ himself. I mean, he's going to come back and wage war when he comes back. Mm. And and so I I have a hard time thinking that it is it is wrong for a Christian to go into warfare now. To caveat on that, I think it is wrong to crusade. I don't think that God has called us to uh, grab the sword, and that's how we're going to spread the gospel, like our, uh, like we are seeing with these caliphates, um, which is the way they operate in spreading Islam. And, um, and that can be found in Luke 22, where Jesus tells all his disciples to go, hey, before I sent you out and I told you not to do anything, and you were going to live, you know, live off the land, live off of what people give you total faith in me. He still encourages them to have faith. But at the same time, he says in Luke 22, <clears throat> excuse me, verse, uh, verse 35. And he said to them, and when I sent you out, you had no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, nothing. And they said nothing. And he said to them, uh, but now let the one take <clears throat> who has a money bag and likewise knapsack and let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and go buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled for me. And he has numbered uh, with the transgressors for what is written about me. It must be fulfilled. And they said, Lord, we didn't just get one sword. Here's two. And Jesus (laughs) says, that's enough. And so what, but then we see later in that narrative that Peter goes and hacks some dude's ear off trying to cut his head off. And I, my personal belief of the situation is that Peter had so much you know, he was like, hey, we're taking the world because right before that, Jesus spoke. They said, who are you, the Christ? He says, I am. Everyone falls down. They get back up. And Peter's like, oh, it's on, buddy. Pulls out his sword and he starts. He thinks he's about to go to town. Well, when he misses the guy's head and cuts off his ear, Jesus says, whoa, that's not what we're doing here. This is my this is how in my interpretation of this is this is how the gospel is supposed to be spread not by the sword. This is how the gospel is. That sword is for you to defend yourself, not to spread the gospel. And so we see that there's a balance because if you live by the sword, you die by the sword is what he ends up saying to him. And so I think that the our pacifist brothers in Christ, um, they fall short on all these narratives. And they like we had said before, what is love? 
So they look at, well, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. You can love someone and shoot them in the face. That is an absolute truth. You know, it pains you, but you can do it. You can love someone and kill them because you also love the guy who he's trying to rape his family. So, hey, you know, there's there's the old uh, the old saying in Vietnam where it's like, I just kill him. I let God sort him out. I mean, there's some truth to that where it's like you you have made your choice in this matter. And we have waited till the last second. And now you have met someone who has a sword and is wielding it in righteousness. Mm-hmm. And you're going to die again. Ecclesiastes 3, 3, a time to kill Ecclesiastes 3, 8, a time for war. So I think that the Bible is pretty clear that we can wage warfare as Christians. And I'll, I'll, I'll stop there before we get into how that looks like as a Christian, but in my, in my uh, reading of the, of the word, but I'll hand it off to you guys after that. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's great. Absolutely. I mean, I, it made me think, I mean, even, uh, bringing it back into a civilian perspective, you know, it makes me think of when you said that it is possible to love someone and shoot them in the face. Um, I've never shot anybody in the face, but you know, when I, when you look at passages like, um, or, or when you look at processes, like what the church has to go through in church discipline, right? Th- that last, that last step is a separation and that's painful. <clears throat> there is, uh, within the, within a church community, there is safety, there is accountability, there is um, a social framework, a, a social, I don't want to say social security because that just brings up all the wrong ideas, but, but there's a safety net, a literal, actual, physical and spiritual safety net. And when you're placing someone outside of that body, that's a dangerous place that you're putting them in. I mean, on it, you're not putting them in there. They're putting themselves in there, but you are putting them off in a dangerous place. And that is love. So, I mean, I, I can, I can see where, you know, that dichotomy shouldn't, shouldn't really be so far of a, you know, of a stretch to, to contemplate and to think about even as a civilian who hasn't taken up arms against somebody, let alone a terribly, terribly evil person. Yeah. And, and maybe to clarify for, for those Christians who are hearing this and have never really pondered the idea of, of uh, a Christian entering into warfare, the idea of just war comes as one of three options that Christians have traditionally taken uh john had has just recently mes- mentioned pacifism as one of those options pacifism uh, is the idea that that we should not be involved in in uh, violent conflict uh, of any kind um and and that has been a position some christians have taken there's also the the position christians have taken uh that is my country right or wrong that that is following whatever the country has said to do without considering and weighing its actions as appropriately in light of uh, biblical commands and principles that God has given. And then third, the third traditional uh, tact taken by Christians is the idea of just war. And so some things that, uh, that John already mentioned, the idea of, uh, of, of, of conquest for conquest's sake, the idea, uh, that idea of, of warring to take uh, and to plunder, that's obviously would, would not be something God calls uh, his people to. The important thing to always remember is that God did use war with his people when they were a theocracy because all of the things were God's. The land that God had given to his people, it was all his land. Every bit of land was God's. He chose this land to give to them, and the people that were there could either leave or they would lose. Those were the options because it was God's land that he was giving to his people. Um, So that wasn't actually conquest. That was God's rightful claim on his land. Additionally, we have the ideas, we have things like um, we should always attempt to exhaust diplomacy whenever we can. We're going into war as, a, as a, last, a last resort. The idea of proximal force, the idea that when we go up against a, a weaker military, uh, we do not need to 
drop a nuclear bomb on them in the event to to cause victory. We can actually normally, if things work appropriately, we would send in the appropriate units and win quite quickly and then let the State Department figure out what the heck's how to sort out the end. But that's not how we do it. But anyway, but that, that would be the, the way we should be able to use appropriate force to win and win effectively and quickly, but not to to um, overkill literally would be mm. the word there as far as Christians Christian thought thought has uh, the idea. The idea of having the security of non-combatants is another thought that would stem from what God calls. This is not this is not go in for us to go in and destroy uh, everything. There's a there's a difference between what was God was calling under his theocracy with Israel and even what what we know God would now call us to uh, to live in this world as Christians uh, under the risen savior. So there's, there's definitely Christian influence inside of what just war is that you can clearly see that God has not called us to pacifism. As you already mentioned, Luke 22 It's pretty clear. Uh, Jesus, Jesus literally is all about the, uh, the sale of weapons and, and the carrying of weapons in Luke 22, 35. So, so that's clearly, it's clearly not pacifism at all costs. Rather, it's a defensive understanding, which means it must be thought through, not simply whatever my country sends me to do, but it must be thought through appropriately. What has God called me to be as a Christian serving God in this context? So hopefully I've, I've briefly outlined that because John did such a good yeah. job already. Yeah. And I think that before you go to war, you need to know what's going to happen and people are going to die. Um, your yes. soldiers are going to die. The enemy's going to die and civilians are going to die. The heat of an operation, uh, the things that go on, you know, I have the bird's eye view uh, in my, in my past job, but at the same time um, when you're on the ground um, and I've done patrols in the streets, I mean, it is chaotic and, um, and people, soldiers themselves are trained well enough they're not just going to shoot something that moves but that doesn't mean a bomb goes errant that doesn't mean you're calling for fire and uh, while you're calling for fire an adjustment has to be made and you accidentally hit a um a building full of women and children uh which is is a deep something you don't want to happen but it is something that does happen um also doesn't mean that you're the the it does also mean that the other side you're going you're 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 waging war against won't seek and choose to use non-combatants they, uh, they do. as yeah. deterrents or even as as weapons themselves. So th- there's a, yeah, obviously there's it's a it's the it's the aim of security for non-combatants doesn't yeah. mean that, that the tragedy of collateral damage is not very real. Yeah, and that's and that's why I mean you hear and and it's like why don't we just bomb it? Why don't we just carpet bomb it? You know. Um, these people allowed terrorism to be in their country. Why don't we just bomb it? Well, why do we have American troops over there? You know, why do they have to be there? Well, I'd rather have someone who's put the hours behind a gun making the decisions on the ground than a bomb that once you press the button, it's over. A lot less casualties happen that way when you have highly trained soldiers on the ground. Um, they can decide if, you know, sometimes they don't make the, the right decision, but they can decide if that kid has a, a bomb or not. The bomb doesn't get to decide that. The bomb just drops. The bomb so, doesn't care if that kid has a bomb or if any kid or it has doesn't. a bomb. The bomb exactly. destroys. And I mean, one typo in the, you know, and I don't launch bombs, so this could be totally false. But what I would think one typo in launching that bomb from, you know, from Nevada is, you know, there's a lot less calculation done doing that than someone who's actually on the ground can make the decision. Is it worse to see? As an American, does it hurt more to see one of my brothers um, killed in action because we take that route? 
yes. Um, I'd be, I'd be a liar and maybe I have to work this out in my own sanctification. If it hurts more that I lost one of my brothers, than you know, civilians died in Afghanistan. It just, it hurts more because I, they, I'm wearing the same uniform. We look the same, but that is better than that risk of killing massive amounts of people for no reason. Hmm. So. Absolutely. I like, uh, I, I snatched one of Doug Wilson's quotes from his blog back. It's a 2013 quote. I believe he was talking about the conflict, the Syrian conflict at the time. Uh, he said, the foremost principle of war is objective. What is the point? What do you want to achieve? If you don't have an objective, or if you don't have a reasonable hope of achieving that objective, you don't meet this ad bellum criterion. And if you don't have a reason to fight, then you're just killing people for no good reason. So that's one of the keys to just war. Uh, I just love the thought you just gave, John, uh, the idea that that having people having boots on the ground uh, is a cost to us in, in, in human capital, but it actually is also a, a net benefit because it can it can relieve human casualty on the other side. That's a yeah. that's a pretty overwhelming thought, honestly. And having, you know, to kind of lead us into the next point is having righteous men on the ground makes it a uh, makes it even better. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That yeah. was, that, you, what, what, man, this guy was segues, Jesse. We need to, we need to have him on all the time. Yeah. So we, with what your aim is with, uh, with <laughs> what you're doing with your ministry of godly grunts and, and being able to be a Christian inside the military and influence Christians in the military. Uh, how does this idea of just war and Christian thought interact in that space of the military? I think that it starts with, and again, like we said, an understanding of who you are. And so in Romans 13, four, it says for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear? Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant, which can also be translated as minister for you, uh, <clears throat> for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And that's where we get minister of the sword. He is a deacon of the sword. That's where my Instagram handle, deacon of death, that's where that comes from. Romans 13, 13, 5 uh, is, excuse me, 4, uh, is you are a minister, a deacon to kill people. That's what your job is. Um, now, just like a pastor, right? You're responsible for how you how you go forth and do that. Uh, it's the same with with people in the military. And, and we don't fully understand that, you know, 18-year-old, Billy Bob goes into the army and he doesn't, even if he grew up in a church, even if he grew up in a Christian home, even if he is Christian himself, he gets told that, look, man, you're just a death dealer now. Like, go get as much, and sorry for the profanity, but go get as much pussy as you want. Go drink it up. Go do all this. Go do all that. Who cares? Because you're going to get deployed and you're going to die. You might as well have as much fun as you can. And that is the mentality that gets into people it gets pushed on people um you i've been be indicating that that's not a good christian mentality no is it is not <laughs> <laughs> no it's not well it's not a good oh, mentality okay. it's not a good okay. mentality even if you're going to look at it from a purely carnal way because Amen. now you Amen. I've, I've met guys who get stds and now they're not mission capable so it's like wow. you know they got to wow. sit out for a week which they don't mind sitting out for a week but me as a squad leader i'm ticked because you know what i mean like and so or I go out and get a DUI. Now I don't get to go kill people. Like it's, it's a, there's cause and effect to all this other people don't seem to understand. And so 
we as Christians, we bring forth that um, and we show. And it's interesting because I was reading uh, in my own personal reading in Joshua in the scripture. And it was really interesting to me because Joshua is about to conquer the land of Canaan. And more than and what you said was very eloquent in the fact that this was God's land for his people. At the same time, these people were tremendously evil. And so the sins and atrocities that they committed, God was like, your time has come. Um, and we look at, we can talk about nations and you know <laughs> that whole aspect at some other time. But um, Nineveh was one of those, one of those nations and Jonah was sent and they repented as a nation where the Canaanites were not going to repent. And so uh, well, ironically, Nineveh is indeed judged shortly thereafter. They, yeah. they <laughs> repent, and then just like us Christians, they repent and then fall right back into yep. their flesh as opposed to worshiping God. And yeah. they got theirs. So. <laughs> yeah. But Joshua is about to go in this land and he's about to, um, and this is before he meets with the commander of the Lord's army as he's described in, in Joshua. But what does God tell him before he's about to go conquer this land? He's going to slaughter people. He's going to lose people in combat. He's about to be the one who's ultimately the buck stops with him. Like this is this is the combat leader here, and uh, I'm not going to read all of three through nine, but you can look three through nine. The whole point is comes in verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, for you may be careful to do <clears throat> according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So he's about to go into war, and the weapon God's give him gives him is his law, is mm. his word. So he can act righteously as he's doing it. Amen. And so that, you know, it's not, God doesn't say, look, this is the M250 caliber machine gun from the future. Have fun. Like, you know, and he says, here is my word. And it's the same call for us today as, as soldiers. Um, and again, I'm not currently in, but as, as soldiers, this is what our call is, is that to act in a righteous way. Cause mm-hmm. then God will bless us and we will go forth and we will be prosperous. But if we th- uh, have things like the My Lai massacre happen, like it happened in Vietnam, well, we're not. Someone didn't infuse righteousness into that situation and stop yep. that from happening. And so, uh, God's word is the most powerful thing that not only we have as Christians, but when you deploy, you're and you're up for eighteen hours because you ran a mission and then you had to come back and do some fill sandbags whatever the stupid thing they have you do like god's word is important being god's word like you go back to your hooch and you open up god's word even if it's just a little gideon's bible you get before you deploy like that's what you open up you don't because it's the most powerful thing it's what god gave to joshua for his conquest mm-hmm. it's the most powerful thing it's the same concept <clears throat> for us as christians who are out every day we, we have no excuse i have no excuse like i get up i get up at four in the morning now because i want to like, I don't have to anymore, but that's my time in the word because I, I need it. Right. And we all yeah. need it. It's the most powerful thing at, that, that we have in our lives. And so as a warrior, as a Christian um, in the military, we know what to do is good. We know how to wield the sword in righteousness because we have God's moral law. Mm. That's what we have to go forth. And when we go kill people, because again, that is the aim of the United States military go kill people. A cop, same thing. I know everyone in Black Lives Matter is going to love me for saying this, but cops kill people. Mm. Like 
but they don't wield if they are studying the word they don't wield the sword in unrighteousness yeah and and i would say that they they don't <laughs> i mean statistics prove out that they don't wield the sword in unrighteousness yeah but when we're not as christians right if we're not going to our coworkers another cop and saying and trying to bring him along in the word of god and sharing gospel with him sharing truth with him well can we expect him to act in righteousness i mean we can't he doesn't have the holy spirit not to say that he'll just snap and go kill a bunch of people but the reality is is that god's truth is what takes over people's lives it's not it's not just because they have a badge Mm. that's one of those things to really contemplate and think about because the the goal of of both the military and uh and the police force is to maintain uh and bring about peace the problem is with sin peace peace can often come through conflict a mm. deadly force conflict peace uh, through when, right right when there is when there is uh, a lack of righteousness and a willing to abide by law uh which which no matter what law is always sought as always comes from a form of morality right and god is the objective source of all morality uh, some when a person is is unwilling to live in those in those ways and they come into conflict and they come into what we would consider an unrepentant conflict right then discipline falls and 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 that can end up in violent conflict and that is done so that peace can be sought, uh, obtained, and maintained. Uh, that's important for us to understand when we when we start to think about the military, and we start to think about uh, things like the police forces. Those, that's it's a key. It's integral uh, because sin is real. <laughs> yeah, and and why hasn't why hasn't the United States either military or police force? done what china's done done what russia did in the soviet union and just like oh we have borders to go round up all the guns let's just do it like because we have a christ the christianity has been so infused into our culture and a christian worldview that people are like no i know some semblance of a moral law because i also i'm made in the image of god but i also have this worldview system that's around me that influences the fact that we can have guys who aren't christians who do wield disorder and righteousness. They're still mm-hmm. ministers of God. <laughs> hey, <clears throat> Joel Osteen's not a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he's not being a pastor who's teaching the word of God correctly. So yes, we have people who are not saved who are pastors. We have people who are unsaved who are ministers, deacons of uh, of the sort as well. I'm getting some Shylin out here right now. We're just going to start calling out names. False teachers uh, here. That's, that's an easy one I can call out because <laughs> <laughs> low-hanging fruit yeah, yeah exactly. like, just to be clear luke 22 35 through 38 as you already read where jesus tells us to buy and carry a sword as well as exodus 22 2 through 3 which talks about self-defense very clearly we understood as a people as as a uh, as many as will be offended by this but don't understand as a christian nation as a christian as a nation founded in christian thought ex- pretty much exclusively in christian thought mm-hmm. um we had we had we had possibly if you wanted to actually observe what deism is maybe one open deist in our founding that we know of and that would have been ben franklin we just are so ignorant to the many hundreds of other influential founders who had nothing to do with deism but something very deeply to do with a christian protestant faith anyway neither here nor there but exodus 22 to 3 also both those passages tell us that self-defense is key and uh that means you need to be able to defend yourself and protect yourself and thus we have the second amendment yeah Yeah, and i oh go ahead sorry 
Uh, I was just going to tackle on you, you need to be you need to have the right to defend yourself, but you also need the means to defend yourself as well. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all I was going to tackle on there too. Yes, correct. That point was so deep, I forgot what I was going to say. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, can, a lie. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> me. oh man! But continuing on with uh, with righteousness in combat, and um, and one thing to go along with that. If you're a minister of the sword, and this is kind of a call out to all those uh, police officers in across this nation, but also in other countries right now who are enforcing these these ungodly mandates, mm. um, you need to say no. And we, oh, we have an example in scripture of that. And in First Samuel no. 20, yeah, no. You mean that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, yeah. <laughs> teaching, correction, and reproof? Absolutely wild, right? Uh, so in First Samuel twenty two seventeen, uh, it says the king said, which is Saul, said to the guard who stood with him, "Turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because their hand was also with David, and they knew that he fled and did not disclose it to me. But the servants of the king would not put their hand out to strike the priest down of the Lord. You have to stand up. Now, if I would have received an order to do something that was unrighteous, my duty as a Christian is to say no. And you know what? If I face a firing squad or if I face a uh, in prison time or if I lose my squad and I get transferred somewhere else, it is what it is. But the next verse is very telling as well, because when the government turns to evil, it's going to order evil. But know this. And it continues in verse 18. Uh, then the king said to Diog, you turn and strike down the priest. And Doeg, I said that wrong. And Doeg and the Edomite turned and struck down the priest and killed and he killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen of the ephod. And Nob, the city of the priests, he put to the sword, both men and women and children, the infants, ox, donkey, and sheep, he put to the sword. Someone is behind you who's going to execute that unlawful order. And now that you, we've seen examples in Christian history, in the church history rather, and also in, in the scriptures where people stood up and everyone said, yeah, I'm standing with them. And that might happen. What also might happen is you get fired and the idiot who doesn't want to lose his job or you get shot and the idiot who doesn't want to get shot, he's going to execute that order. So, but you are responsible for yourself. You are responsible. You will take an account before God on the judgment seat of Christ that says, this is what I did as a Christian. We take an account for what we've done. So we have to stand up, but training up our soldiers. If you're a leader in the army or if you're a police officer as a leader, even if you're not lead up the chain of command and down the chain of command, teach those around you to be righteous. Teach them what the regulations are. So that way, when you're told to break one, you say, no, I can't do that. Teach them what, because you're going to be told to do all kinds of stuff that's illegal in the military. It's just the reality of it. And the person telling you to do it probably doesn't know it's illegal. So, so um, you you have <laughs> It's just to the know. way I grew up. Yeah, exactly. So uh, you have to know what's right and you have to teach what's right to your soldiers. So that way, when you take that stand, your soldiers take the stand with you. And then that leader will back down because he's in the face of truth and courage. It's true. Speak truth to power. Uh, <laughs> it, it, what, yeah. What's necessary for that is to actually know what truth is. That's the problem. Exactly. Yeah. And so, but like I said, knowing you have to be able to be courage, say no. And to those police officers in Canada who arrested James Coates, shame on you. Like you need to repent before God because you in a country that allows him to do what he's doing, even if it didn't, you know what's right. But to top, put tack on top of that, that you weren't even supposed to do it anyways, you followed an order that you knew was wrong, you did it anyways. You need to repent. 
that's and these people in Paris who are checking vaccine passports, mm. people need to stand up and say, if you're a Christian, you need to stand up and say, I can't do this. I can't. You can't do it. But as it an elder, my job. As an elder, if someone, if if I was told that I had to check people's uh, vaccine statuses to come into my church, I'm not doing it. Government can go pound salt. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. You have to do what's right. But then again, like I said, you may make the stand, and sometimes you win, but sometimes, like Stephen, you lose, and so and you're going to get stoned. Or in this case, they're just going to say, "Okay, you won't do it. Next in line, you'll do it." So it's it's a hard line to follow. You want to think it's like the movies where the guy stands up for what's right and everyone's like you know what yeah Yeah, Yeah, yeah. we'll all become christians you know and it's just it's not i mean hopefully that's reality but it's it's not it's not reality so yeah what by far i mean this plays right into the conversation of the doctrine of lesser magistrate i mean we've covered it before but it's it's that responsibility of those of these middle leaders to obey god rather than obey an unrighteous decree by man and that's 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 a historical christian and a a biblical orthodox position and i mean like you know thinking about probably one of the most heart-wrenching you know videos to come out of all of these pastors being arrested in canada was when tim stevens was uh arrested i'm gonna say the second time i believe he was placed in prison for about 24 or 48 hours and then was released and then was placed in prison again. I could have that timeline wrong. No, but, it's definitely the second time. Yeah. The second time where they, they went to his home and took him from his home. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you, he, he had eight, he has eight children all, all around crying and his, his poor wife, Raquel is trying to talk with the police officers. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, this isn't right. And they're, they, they tell her, they're like, well, you, you, you go to court, you appeal, you have your day, you keep, you keep pushing. And she's like, how far, her question, it, it still pierces my soul. How far do you want us to push? You're taking my husband, the father of these children, and you're putting him in a car for what? How far are we supposed to, he's going into jail again. How much farther are we supposed to push to where you, to where you kill him, to where you shoot him? A pastor? Like, really? Like, that's how far? And, and you're absolutely right. It is wickedness of the highest degree. Yeah. It, it is it's cowardice and it's it's wickedness um and and there's a realization that the judgment's not only for christians who will be held accountable for that um and and that is you know part of it's it's a it's a hard thing to think about but that's part of the hope is that god does judge righteously and that and that even unbelievers when they do these evil vile heinous things god doesn't overlook that um they will be held accountable in this life, perhaps, and but especially in the next, um, yeah. that's a harsh reality, and that's why we preach the gospel, right? Exactly. Um, yep. We've been shown grace, but there's still accountability. Even where there's grace, there's still accountability, and that that's that's just the that's just the truth of the matter. But yeah, it, it's it's exactly the doctrine of lesser magistrates that we must disobey the government in order to obey God. Some people I, have that completely confused, and that's yeah. just terrible. And I think we see that with Ron DeSantis. Not to get too political here but like we see that with ron desantis in florida and i mean biden couldn't even remember his name when he went went back I mean, everyone thought it was a joke but i you know, honestly don't know you remember thing. his name yeah, so that wasn't a joke that was yeah so i mean we see that the governors i mean they know their authority they they understand the law paul understood the law of his day right 
Well, so, some governors. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, our, governors, not ours yeah. in New Jersey. Yeah, and not yours Jill in New York. His <laughs> well, we'll see how Jill or what's her name does. Uh, I was going to say Jill Brand. That's her senator, but um, yeah, Kathy Hochul. Uh, don't hold your breath, buddy. Yeah, um, but I I find it interesting that more the the way our government was set up was they went on human nature and they knew that if or they thought that even the evil side of human nature um the selfish side that says i don't want you to assert authority over me they thought these governors would be doing exactly what desantis did when the federal government comes in like oh this is the state what are you talking about and that's and even if it's purely out of i don't want to be the guy on that newspaper who got pumped like they thought they could tap into the states doing what they want. You know what? You live in, you're a white man in the early 1800s and you don't want to live in a place that sells slaves and has slaves. You can move to New York where they don't have it and you can get involved in the underground railroad like my family did. And you can send people up to Canada for their freedom. Uh, you had the freedom to move, you know, that we saw the evil side of that where some states were like, no, well, guess what? a righteous war was waged to get rid of that evil. And there was more behind it, the civil war, but that was the premise of the civil wars, get rid of that evil. And so we see that these things, when we follow a governmental system that's set up to, uh, that's set up by the principles that we see in the Bible, it gives, yes. Does it give people their free will? And for some time, will they have some tyranny with that? Yes, it does. The tree of liberty must be shed with the blood of tyrants. That's just, that is the, that is what's written by our founding fathers. They understood this and it's a harsh reality. And we've sat so fat and happy as the church. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, and we've never had to actually think these things out. What <clears throat> happens when the government says you can't do it? Do you go along with it? How far do you take it? Do you allow? Here's your, here's your problem, no. John. Here's your problem. <laughs> the, the quote, the full quote is. <laughs> Time, tree of liberty must be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And yeah. most people aren't willing to, most people have no moral compass, no objective source for their morality. Most people have no sense of responsibility, or n- even further from their mind, is responsibility for the love and care of others. And so the fact that there's also the blood of patriots to be spilled, I don't think most of our country even understands the idea of self sacrifice for others. No. Um, because the, the the tree of liberty requires not just the blood of tyrants, but also the blood of patriots that need to raise rise up against those tyrants. Ironically, yeah, yeah. And I'm not and I'm not saying here today <clears throat> we need to we need to go into Canada as, as the church with our weapons and take. That is back. We are not saying that. Yeah, <laughs> we're explicitly <laughs> not or, saying that. Yeah, or in the United States. I mean, we've we've have a government that's set up where we can appeal these things, and we saw that with John MacArthur's church out in California. He appealed these things. He knew the law like Paul did in the new Testament and he won. And so we, these our founding fathers. They weren't just because they wrote, you know, on, you know, because they wrote on animal skin does not mean that they were stupid people. Mm. Uh, they knew exactly what they were doing. The, a great book that just came out by Canon press uh, slaying Leviathan. And it really goes through the history of Protestant uh, resistance theory Yep. And how it led to the founding of the United States. Um, I'm going to get called a Christian nationalist for the Soviet. But at the same time, we need to be grateful. I had a post before I even, I think it was before I even met you guys. That was just because you hate America. Does that mean you're a good Christian? Like that does not make you a good Christian because you hate America. That means you're ungrateful mm. for what yep. has been given to you and what God has 
put into your stewardship. We, because of the way, again, this, this is the negative side of the way our government's set up. We will hold an account for what we allowed to happen in our country because we have the ability to change it. And I listened to, I think it was your guys' first podcast about um, going to the, the school board meetings after that uh, code or whatever was released in your state. Correct. And that is what was is expected of you as a citizen in this nation yeah. to stand up for what you believe in. Now, does that mean you become a police officer? Does that mean you go to war? For some people, yes. But everyone must stand up for what's right. Or we're just going to let our country go down the poop hole and we're going to end up like Canada at first, but then we're going to end up like China because that is the way these things happen. And God has given us a country that for the most part has been a righteous and we are stewards of that. And we are here to make it more righteous. Hmm. It's a great perspective of stewardship there. It, it makes me think of, uh, I love this conversation. Um, it, it makes me think of, um, so in, uh, in the classic work, the, the Enid, right. You have, oh man, who wrote that? I don't remember, but, um, you have, you have part history, part myth, right. About the, the rise of you said the, the, rise you said of the Iliad. No, the Aenid, A E N I D. But um, A E N I D. Yeah. Wow, I'm just so uncultured. I apologize. Yeah. I was going to um, say I'm going to let the learned people talk here. No, no, no. It, it, <laughs> no, it, just, it, it ties in. It, it ties in, right? Not so the learned you, people, the obscure. You, <laughs> you have it. You have it following uh, this character Aeneas, right? Um, and as as Troy is burning, and it, it, it ties in because because Paul Paul ties in a lot of these themes in the book of Ephesians. Um, you have you, you can search pictures, but even on even on Roman coins, they had this um, concept of piety, and the the image that was drawn was this character Aeneas fleeing uh, Troy. Troy is burning, and he is fleeing Troy with his wife and his child, and on his back he's carrying his decrepit father. So you, you have him leading his family and on his back literally is his father. And that was like the embodiment. And, and he's, he's dressed in his, in his uh, officer's garb, right? The, 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 the battle gear. And, and that's the idea of, of piety. Pietas is, 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 you know, the, the old word, but this concept that our, our morality, our honor, um, and drawing from a Christian perspective now, our, our morality, our honor, our principles um, should be so deeply rooted into who we are that that type of response is automatic. It is, it is commitment to family. Uh, it is commitment to, to God and his standards. Um, and it's, it's a commitment to do the right thing, even if it costs you. And, and Paul talks a lot about it in, in Ephesians when he's structuring the home. He talks about husbands and wives and children and slaves and owners and, and all of these things. But he's drawing on that concept, that first century concept of piety. And, and really, the, the Romans used piety to, to make good citizens. Um, it, it has deep ties to citizenry and what it means to be a part of a nation, a culture. Um, it's to be so deeply rooted. And, and for Christians, uh, I just preached this last Sunday, and for Christians, we have lost all sense of Christian piety and commitment and morality in our living. 
to the point where we want to just believe or acknowledge God and acknowledge Christ and say, oh, he is Savior. But we get to throw out the fact that he's also Lord. And that has a call on who I am and how I'm supposed to live and operate to the deepest sense of our being. And so it, it ties in really well with being with what you were talking about earlier, knowing the truth, knowing the truth. And as as soldiers for Christ, just like you what you were mentioning, that a, a well-trained soldier can go in and do uh, and do a sweep on the ground in, in the busy streets of a city and can make good decisions, even in hard circumstances, that's exactly what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. And we need to be well-trained and well-versed in, in, that, all of, in all of that. Yeah. In that yeah, truth, and, in that piety. And that comes from training. Yeah. And so what people, the, the movies have done a great job of leading people astray on this very point. You guys said you have fired guns before, so you'll understand this. The the lady or the guy's girlfriend in the movie who just picks up a gun and, you know, says, oh, do I just point and shoot? And then she's able to, like, get a group like that big at 50 yards. Like, that's not real. Like, so it takes it takes discipline. It takes training to get you very good with your weapons. And and as we discussed before, Joshua, God has given us a sword. Like God has given us two offensive weapons in Ephesians six, and it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God and call for fire, which is prayer. And those are the two things. So Mm. you, if you think that you're going to go into the world and you're going to walk on the streets, like you said, and you're going to, and you're going to talk to people and you're going to try to witness to people and you try to spread the truth and not have trained in that truth. Oh man, you're in for, you're in for some trouble and you're in for some embarrassment is really what it is. I mean, it's, you're you're going to run into the average person you know the other day i was doing some homeless ministry here in watertown new york and you're running into the guy who's like yeah you know i'm i'm a catholic but i've been to church and he doesn't really challenge you but then you're going to run into the guy as well who's like oh this is my opportunity to because i'm mad at god to go after a christian and if you can't i'm not saying you have to have every answer for this guy but if you can't clearly show him the truth of the gospel and the truth of the word of god you're not trained and you need to go back and you need to hit, hit the books, as we would say, and you need to train in righteousness and godliness because it is, it's a, the Bible is a deadly weapon. And the reason I say that too, is because you can look at all these cults out there who are using one or two Bible verses to lead people astray. Mm. And it is a dead, and they think that they're doing what God would have them do because they're too lazy to pick up their Bibles Pick up their their weapon that God has given them and study how to use it and what it actually says. And that's that's definitely the reality of First Peter three fifteen. If we're not ready to give a reason, uh, to give a reason, you have had to uh, have thought reasonably, which means you've had to have extended some effort into what God has said <laughs> in His Word to give a reason for the hope that is within you. To to contend as Jude verse three says for the faith to that that, that was a concern in the writing of Jude chiefly was that the Christians would be able to contend well for their faith against those outside and inside the church who are going to push back against what God has clearly said is true. Yeah. We, we must be engaged in a reasonable and thoughtful way with what God's word is. We see this even as war, as it would, as it would come to the topic of war in Deuteronomy 20, 19 through 20 uh, and Deuteronomy 24, five. These are both aspects of where even during war, God is caring. He's kin one. He's mentioning to be caring for the, the man who has just gotten married, that he should, he should result. He should not be involved in war for a year to make mm-hmm. sure he has spent time with his wife, growing his family. 
Um, he is in, in Deuteronomy 2019, it, it actually begins to talk about how even the trees and even the vegetation should be cared for during this during a battle of siege mm-hmm. or a city is under siege. Uh, that 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 we should care for even the plant life and the, the earth. So God is in, in every in every area. God has given us an apologetic to think through because mm. God does. God calls us to think deeply about all things, whether that be war uh, that is that is uh, just violent and visceral, or whether that be defending the faith clearly uh, in in a cultural context where where we work and where we we live, or where we social media. That those those these all these things require careful. And engage thought because that is how our God acts. That is how our God has called us to live and has shown us to live. Yeah. yeah and if, if you, if you, you know, for me as a Bills fan, I'll just throw myself under the bus. If I, uh, if I can't let a, a diss against Josh Allen go on social media, but someone blasphemes the God of the heavens and the earth, Ooh. and I just say, I don't want to get involved, you know, I, what what are more of my priorities, right? And that's exactly what you're saying. Like this is our this is our priority. Um, does that mean we we run up to the random guy in the street and just you know start screaming Bible verses in his face with no context? No, but that means that we try and we seek for conversations to lead to the gospel, even with other Christians. We want to talk about the gospel. Like uh, that's what we want to do. That's our sword. That's our weapon. I. You live, you live by the, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, right? And that's what Jesus says, and it's the same concept here. So, just in the yeah. good way. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. It, it makes me think. One of the things you you mentioned earlier is that you know how evil people can take one or two verses and make make a cult or or, or turn it around, and how much we had to know. It makes me think of a. Uh, you ever watch that movie, The Book of Eli? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when who was it? Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington. You know, when, there's that there's that pivotal scene when they're in the street and and the the antagonist is like, no, that book is powerful, and he wants that book hmm. so that he can control people because he knows that it is powerful, and all of that does or all that should do for us as Christians is to make to make help us realize just how deep we need to be in God's word. It's, it's, it's just like, it's, it's so convicting, you know, like we, we talked to, you know, we're both pastors also. And it's like, we, we talk to people and they're like, you know, well, how, you know, how, how do I do it? How do I study the Bible? And it's like, well, real easy, that same amount of effort you put in to knowing the roster or to knowing what, what your manager is going to pick on your draft, you know, round, you put that same amount of effort into reading and studying God's word. That's all. That's all you have to do. That same amount of effort. Know the word as well as you know your Instagram filters, and and you will be ready to give a very reasoned defense yeah. for the hope that is within you. Yeah, that's, that's facts. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, and so when you're when you're just to to bring it to actual combat, like your weapon is your life. So and it's your buddy's life too. Hmm. And so when you are in a situation. Uh, you know, where you need to break out of there. Like you don't just drop your gun and run away. Um, you fire back half your element fires or the other half maneuvers. I'm not going to get in the strategy or anything, but you fire back that. Cause if you don't, you're pinned down, they're going to maneuver on you and you have no way of, of coming out successful. So you live by that weapon. 
you know, you, you zero that weapon. So what that means is that I make sure that the optic is exactly where the bullet's going to hit. And on uh, an M4, which is the common, commonly used weapon, it's at 25 meters to 300 meters when that ballistically is going to hit at the same point. And so I, before I go out on mission, when I'm engaged in warfare, either the night before or earlier that day or the day before, whatever it is, I shoot five rounds to make sure I'm still on. Like, because I, if I'm, if I depend on this weapon, I need to know what it's going to do. And that's the same concept, exactly what you're saying. Like we need to be able to pick up that sword and know its power to know that it's the sharpest thing out sharper than a 200 sword piercing to the heart. Right. That's what it's doing. And so we need to know it. And if I don't know my weapon in and out, if I don't know how to clear a malfunction, uh, if I don't know how to do all that stuff, sports, pops, whatever weapon I'm shooting, I need to know how to do that stuff. Well, I need to know how to do that with the Bible as well. Obviously, you're not fixing a malfunction because there is no malfunction. But, <laughs> but Amen. you get you get my point. <laughs> it's fixing the malfunction in us. In us, us yeah. yeah. That's correct. Good That's for reproof and correction. So I just got two more points on the righteous soldier, if you guys don't mind, that I have Go right ahead. Um, And that's uh, number one of those two. Know that God uses your army or the armies of the world to accomplish his goals. Uh, we saw that in the past 20 years in Afghanistan. Like God has used the military of the United States of America to be in there doing that work to keep those people safe. And they were safe. We didn't go over there for oil or any of this stuff that anyone says, like people were safe over there. Uh, and, and we were safe here in the United States because of our presence over there. Yeah. So you will accomplish God's goal. Now that could be wiping out the righteous people because they won't repent of their sins. God could use other armies to do that. Right. Militaries is how he works in this world. Can he rain fire from heaven? Absolutely, if he wants to. But how the scriptures, how the Old Testament, how the New Testament shows that he accomplishes goals. He moved the Roman army into Israel at the very moment he was going to come down to earth. So he uses armies to accomplish his goal. He he made sure that those Roman soldiers were there to crucify him. Hmm. And if we believe that, we know that we want to be part of that mission in this world. If you're someone who's an aggressive person and you want to get in, you want to get in the game, as we would say, like that's, that's how you do it. And then lastly on it is that if you're a Christian soldier, you better be the best soldier out there. Mm. You better represent Um, there. There's no excuse. It's I've, I've always had a theory that if you just give, one more hour of your day towards your craft, no matter what that craft is. If you go home from work and that, whether that's some days I go to the gym for that extra hour, if this is just military speaking, or I go to do some dry fires that extra hour, or I read a book on military strategy or military history, whatever it is, if I just give one extra hour a day to my craft, I will be better than everybody else because they're not putting in that time. Hmm. Um, and it's like Alex from Men's Muster sent that thing to us earlier today where it's like someone is trying to kill you. He's training to kill you. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. <laughs> and yeah. we saw what the Taliban was training to do to us just this past week. Right. So you better be the best. I One of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten is right before I got out 
a good buddy of mine. Um, he was on staff duty, which I'm not going to get into what that is, but uh, I was just visiting and we were talking, chatting. And um, he said to me something, he's like, I can't believe you're, I can't believe you're getting out. Can't believe you're getting out. And, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's time, time to move on to the next, the next mission in life. And, uh, and he said to me, he's like, you know, when people ask what a good infantryman is and what an infantryman is, is the guy who's actually the fighter. That's what an infantryman is in the foxhole. He said, when people ask what a good infantryman is, I tell them, do you know Sergeant Cooper? And I was like, and this isn't to say this, like puff me up or anything like that. But I thought to myself, like, that was because, and I was exactly what I said to him. That was because every day I came into work saying, I will be the best. And uh, there, you have natural limitations. So maybe you're not going to run as fast as the other guy, but you better be a better shot. And so that is kind of the mentality that we have in everything in life as Christians, because we do all things to the glory of God. Yeah. We don't work as if we're working for men who are just eye pleasers, right? In Ephesians, what is that, four? Like we work as if we're working actually for Christ. So when you're training to kill people, you're training to kill people for Christ. And that's a weird thing to hear. It's a weird thing to say. But that is the reality of what you're doing. And you better be the best. You don't have to be the best at every single thing. But all around, you better be the best soldier that's there. You better be the most knowledgeable. You better be the most fit. You better be the best shot better be you have to be the best because you represent christ and it's the same if you're a pastor it's the same if you're a plumber same as you're a garbage man an accountant whatever it is you have to be the best because and for us because we're not the best taliban tim's out there trying to be the best that's used and that was always the joke i use with my guys like taliban you think taliban tim's afraid to go outside you know and so you that's that's how the mentality you have to have someone is trying to be better than you and it's i think i preached a sermon when i was in college um first corinthians 9 i want to say is where it was at where paul says paul's talking about all the other all the other uh apostles who are out there he's talking about all the other people Mm -hmm. in ministry and he says but i work harder Harder. than every single one of them absolutely that's and so when people say there's no room for aggression or competition in Christianity, they need to they need to train better with their sword because yeah. that's that's exactly what Paul's hand. So if you're yeah. a Christian, you're in the military, you're in the police force, whatever you're doing, you better be the best. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the whole point that Paul was trying to make there, I, I just we just read it um, this past week, last week I think, uh, in our reading plan that we're doing, um, same page summer. But but the whole point was so that I can then boast about Christ. (laughs) It's because if I'm not, if I'm not doing that work, if I'm not putting those hours in, if I'm not being the best, then what, what am I reflecting of the God of the universe? And uh, this, this past week in the sermon, I was just reading from, uh, I want to say it was was either revelation four or revelation six, right? You've you've got, you know, John in the spirit, heavenly throne room. You know, you've got God, you've got, You've got the, the the twenty-four elders and 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 the, and the four beasts and and the wings and every time they say it, what do the elders do? They fall on their faces and they take off their crowns and they throw it before the throne because he is worthy of mm. everything. And that's exactly that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's the whole point. Did I get first Corinthians nine right? It was I want to say it was either nine or 10 from memory. I don't know. Yeah. But it was towards the tail end of Corinthians and it was Paul who said it. So, I mean, yeah. 
you know, we're at least making ground <laughs> somewhere in there, right? Yeah, it, it was. It definitely is. We got work to do. <laughs> yeah, <sorry>. we do. <laughs> yeah. So uh, right now at the Godly Grunts, we really only have Instagram. I literally just made a Facebook today, and uh, look into making a website at your suggestion. Uh, but um, at the godly grunts uh a buddy of mine uh braun who is in 287 infantry um we kind of got together and we decided that we needed to reach out to fort drum uh as he's already been a civilian out he's been out for a few years and i um just recently got out not too long ago so uh we kind of decided that hey we got godly grunts is a is a pretty cool pretty cool way of saying it. a grunt what a grunt is for those of you who don't know it's exactly how it sounds the guy's like <laughs> <laughs> um because he's digging a foxhole or he's humping a ruck or whatever it is <laughs> like that's it's it's your life is ugh. i mean it really is so uh that's where that term grunt comes from uh you don't want to be a pogue but as a person other than grunt and military guys you'll get that but um but so our goal in this, and you can find me at at the Godly Grunts, uh, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, like we'll have a website, is to show, as very simply put, to make soldiers better Christians and Christians better soldiers. Mm. So uh, we want to be, we want to reach out to all ministers of the sword, as we talked about in this episode, um, police officers, border patrol agents. Uh, we want to reach out to you with what the word of God says in our context and what we do. And we deal death. That's what we do. And so we want to make sure we're doing it justly, righteously, right. not not just the laws of the land, but the, the righteous law of God. And so um, we do outreach in uh, the Watertown area, uh, to VFWs, to American Legions, to homeless veterans that are in the area as well. So we kind of hit up hit up both and if you're reach out to me if you live near a military base so you guys i don't know how far away you are from fort dix um but if you live there. Near, yeah if, if i have you can reach out to me as creative ways uh that we've seen to reach out to the military hmm. um and just uh message me on there and then uh we can strategize so i like that <laughs> awesome this has been uh, one heck of an encouraging episode. And um, if all this scripture, if all this talking about the need for Christians to fight, uh, to hold the line, and to contend for their faith, and if all this uh, has not been an encouragement to you, if you are in the military or if you're considering being in, that, in any branch of the armed forces, if you're considering taking up uh, law enforcement, if you're working uh, in any aspect of um, guarding our, our country in any way, um, and upholding the law, then I, I'm sure that this episode has done wonders uh, for your soul to connect it to a, your biblical worldview as well. Uh, if you know someone in the military, be passing and sharing this episode on because this, uh, this is the goal uh, of getting John on here to talk about this, someone who's been uh, in the thick of it, so to speak, uh, down in the suck, and he has been there. So um, I, I hope this can be an encouragement to you. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly uh, very much encouraged and I hope you too will also be encouraged to seize the faith.